1: or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
0: I want to talk tonight about being alive again. You know, so many times we can watch things that have played out for so long that we kind of look and go, "Okay, come on, let's move on. Okay, heard that, been there, done that. But I really believe what we are covering or the grounds that we are coming to is so vitally important that it's not time just to rush on. This is actually the seventh message. I can't believe that. The seventh message that we have been teaching and ministering on this subject. Now, for those of you who know, what I try to do is every message, I try to preach it as itself. So for those of you who have perhaps missed other times, it's not like you don't know what's happening. But I'm telling you right now, this is what needs to happen. Our relationship with God must be growing on a daily basis. I'm going to say that one more time. Our relationship with God must be growing on a daily basis. I love the song that Nooney and them were singing tonight, Let Us Fall More. In love with you. Isn't that the anthem or should be the anthem of our lives? Turn with me again or watch on the screen to Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Most of you should be able to quote this off by heart right now, but I want it to get into your heart because this is our testimony not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit as I serve the Lord or serving the Lord. The NIV version says, never be lacking in zeal. Come on, we've got to have some zeal in the house. We've got to have some desire. We've got to put some effort in the house. We've got to have some enthusiasm again. No wonder people aren't getting saved. Look at yourself. If you've got the truth, if you've got life, come on, we've got to start living the life. We've got to start exemplifying the life, living that life, because the Bible says there's a treasure that's inside of us that is a treasure to the world. And if we hide it, if we put it under a bushel, if we're miserable, we're depressed. That's hiding the light, wouldn't you say? If we're miserable and depressed, the Bible says, how will they see? But when we shine forth, we don't only give light for ourselves, but we give light. Read it. Matthew 5 says to the whole room. To the whole room. So we're never going to be lacking in zeal. We want desire. We want effort in our lives. We want enthusiasm. And I hear amen. amen. Whoa, enthusiasm. But keep your spiritual fervor. Have a great warmth of feeling. How many of you've got something that you really love? And when someone starts talking about it, there's a warmth that comes up inside of you. I started talking to someone the other day about his car. He had a 69 something. He had a 69 something, 69 Camaro. The thing was absolutely beautiful. But can I tell you, when I started talking to him, he started getting excited about his car. He opened up the hood and he's showing. He had an enthusiasm. Why? Because he loved that thing. You will be enthusiastic. You will have emotion. There'll be passion when there's fervor inside of you. What do we mean further? When there's great warmth of feeling, when there's intense emotion. I love God. And when people start talking about God, it excites me. When people like Hope stands up and start speaking about giving, I get excited about stuff like that because I know the blessings of God. I know there's a passion inside of me that when I hear the truth of God, I was listening to a, a CD or actually my iPhone the other day coming to work and I was just playing a song. All I need is you, Lord, you, Lord, you, Lord. And I'm crying and I'm singing in the car, driving down the street and people are looking at me probably thinking I'm an idiot. But you know what? I'm just... Full of zeal. I've just got a fervor and a desire that I want to serve God more. I want to serve God more. Why are we speaking on things like this? Because there's a relationship that wants to be alive inside of every one of us as we serve the Lord. In other words, our relationship, your relationship with God must be growing. Anything that's alive grows. You should be heading in the right direction. We should be climbing up the scale. Not stuck or finding ourselves creeping backwards. It's amazing we think that we can just creep back gently. You don't creep back, you fall back. You fall a lot quicker than you think. And it's amazing how many times in life we can get so stagnant. In our Christian walk on Sunday morning, I began to talk about grace. That was an incredible feat I did that I was here and in Chicago at the same time. I mean, come on. But we began to talk about grace. And tonight I want to continue the thought of experiencing grace in our relationship with God. Let me give you this statement again. The only way we can have relationship with God. Is through grace. The only way you and I can have relationship with God is through grace. We don't deserve it. We don't meet the standards of it. Nothing you and I could ever do can accomplish it. But grace is what he did for us. Grace is what he did for us. Grace is the practical working of the goodness of God inside of us. Grace is a savior that was led up to Calvary, as we're going to hear about a little bit later, that stretched out his arms and said, this is how much I love the world, that he took our sin upon him. He became the perfect sacrifice for us, knowing what? That we would fail, knowing that we would sin. But through his sacrifice and his blood, by his grace, there is forgiveness, there is freedom, there is liberty, and there is life. So many people look at grace and they think it's just a license to sin. If you think grace is a license to sin, then you don't love God. You're not in relationship with him because grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license to live. Come on, did you hear me? It's not how far can I go without falling off? The grace of God gives us, you know, someone said this the other day. I think it was Jimmy in church and he said, thank God for giving me a second chance. Listen, he was wrong with what he said. Because we blew our second chance a long time ago. And I'm not riding right Jimmy's case, because we've all said that. Thank God for a second chance. I want to thank God for another chance. Come on, do I hear you now? I mean, I blew my second chance a long time ago. And I know what he was trying to say. Please, I'm not getting on with that. But it's not third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I don't know how many chances I've had. But grace says there's another chance. There's another chance. Grace gives us the opportunity to live beyond what we deserve. What do you deserve? No, really. I mean, we think we deserve a lot, but really, what do we deserve? Grace gives us the ability to live beyond what we deserve. I believe that's something to say amen to. Do I hear an amen? Because you and I deserve a lot less, but for grace. I want to talk a little bit tonight about the old covenant and the new covenant. Because I think it really paints a great picture of grace when we understand the differences. Because there are a lot of differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. When we look at the Old Covenant, most of the time we refer to that being in the Old Testament. And then the New Covenant is when Jesus came, and it's the New Testament. And we can understand that this, we've got to understand this. A lot of people say, well, it's the New Covenant, so the Old is not important. The Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament. Why? Because without the Old Covenant, there would have never been a new one. We can see in the Old Covenant, we can see a shadow, a type, but the Old Covenant points towards the New Covenant. The Old Covenant shows the need that mankind had for a savior. And both the Old Testament and the New Testament are the inerrant word of God. What does that mean? it is factual, it is true, it is without error. No matter what you want to do, it is the truth. But I want to show you tonight the different way that God dealt with mankind. And really, the way God had to deal with mankind because of sin. Man's choice. Because of man's rejection of relationship with God. God wasn't enough. It was like they needed more, and they were fooled into believing that. But the old covenant is what we call the system of law. It's law. It's literally, if you will read it, a list of do's and don'ts. And if you don't do these things, then there was consequences and there was penalties, and most of the time the penalty was death. The penalty was death, that you would lose your life. Some feel that when... God gave the law or he conveyed the law to his people through Moses because God gave the law through Moses. Remember on the mountain and and God gave that law to Moses that his primary purpose was to show mankind his holy nature. That the the primary purpose of God given the law was to show his holy nature, which is true. But I'm also going to say this, but not totally true. Let me explain. The law did not really show the true nature of God. Yes, he's holy. Which means he's incapable of ever making a mistake. One of the meanings of holy. Yes, he's unable to put up with sin. In fact, the Bible says God cannot even look upon sin. That means he's righteous. He's holy. He's righteous. And he's also just. But the problem when we look at God as a holy, righteous, just God. With the glasses of the law. The image that we'll see is a dictator. Someone who's up there trying to. Destroy life, trying to take life, make life miserable for those around. I think one of the greatest natures of God or the greatest nature that God possesses is the nature of love. Is love In fact, Corinthian tells us that there'll be hope and, and these things. But the greatest of these is love. And it was hard to really see the love of God through the law. Now, please don't get me wrong. The law does show or reflect some of his attributes and characters. But God is infinitely more loving and holy than that which was depicted through the law. Yes, it showed his nature but yet almost in the wrong light that people could have easily misunderstood and mistaken the fact of who really God was. And why is that? God never intended for that to be the case. But he had to inflict law. Notice the word inflict law because it was almost an affliction that was put upon mankind. He had to do that because of sin. And here's some of the reasons why God had to give the children of Israel the old covenant, the law. This is some of the reasons why. Number one, he had to keep them under God. Look what it says in Galatians 2 verse 23. It says these words, but before faith came. Say with me relationship. Before faith came, before the opportunity for us to have relationship, to trust in God, before that time. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. We were kept or confined for the faith which afterwards would be revealed. What was God doing? He was putting his people under guard that they would not self-destruct and destroy themselves, that they would not be like many of the lawless societies of those days that lived with anarchy. There was no rule. They killed each other. They destroyed each other. Satan would have liked nothing greater than to destroy the people of God. He tried to do it in slavery. But what happened? God raised up someone who delivered them. God heard their cry. Look how many times throughout the entirety of the old covenant did Satan try to destroy them. But it was the law, a God that God put around them that kept them through every time. Another reason why the law law was given was to reveal to mankind his fallen nature. What do you mean by that? God gave the law to prove a point to mankind. And that was this. You can't do it on your own. You need a savior. You need help. Come on, we can't do it on our own. Come on, I said we can't do it on our own. Nothing we could do or say in our own strength would ever earn our way to a satisfying relationship with him. What does it say in Romans 3 verse 23? For all have sinned and fallen short. For all have sinned. You know what that word all means? That you're in there too that I'm in there too, that no one escapes, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And we've said this before, but we've got to say it again. It doesn't just mean just missing the mark. Like if you shoot at a target, you may just miss the bullseye, but at least you hit the target. Listen, when the Bible says you've fallen short, come on, you haven't even hit the target. You haven't even come close to the target. It was funny, on Sunday we had a dunk the pastor. Don't you love that? The big dunk tank. Have you ever seen one of those dunk tanks? And it had this big canopy with a big like disc in the middle. And one person stood up there and threw the ball and didn't even hit the canopy. I mean, they just missed the whole thing. I mean, that was hilarious. I was like, come on. I mean, it's like missing a barn door or something. But isn't that the example or the picture of our lives? Think we're so good that we're going to hit the mark and we just blow it absolutely, completely. Another purpose that God gave the law was to show us that sin destroys people. And that sin has to be punished, it has to be dealt with, it cannot be left. It's like a cancer. It cannot be left because if it's left, the Bible tells us, I believe it is in James, when it grows and it's conceived and then it grows and it brings forth death. It's like a cancer. If God did not punish sin, that would make him morally inconsistent and no longer a just God. How many can agree with me tonight? Sin messed it up for us. Come on, sin messed it up for us. Sin still messes it up for us. It wasn't just eating an apple in disobedience to God. Sin has gone a lot further than just that. Sin, that which destroys life, could not be left unchecked. So God had to judge such sin. He had to give his law. And as a result of that judgment, there would be consequences. And as a result of those consequences, there was now a mark, a standard that man could never Meet. So, really, when we look at the old covenant, here's the picture that we see a law that showed mankind he needs help. Showing us the need that we have as much as we think we can. We cannot do it without his help. Without him, say with me, relationship. Without him, relationship. God longed to have relationship. A relationship that was destroyed through sin. And that's the whole reason why we're talking about this. So we can discover a relationship with God that's never lacking in zest. Never lacking in zeal. That has a fervency as we live for Him. That the intensity and the excitement will build. In order to have a lasting, secure relationship with a God... Or with God and to escape eternal judgment for our sins, there had to be a solution. There had to be a solution to the law. There had to be a fulfillment to those things. And the blood of his crucified son became that. As God so loved the world that he gave the answer for the law. The fulfillment. He didn't do away with it and say it's no good. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. A sacrifice, animal blood, it served as a covering. If you sinned, you brought a sacrifice and the priest would offer it up. But all it could do was just to cover your sin. But his blood did away with your sin. It wiped the slate clean. It removed the sin. Come on, the debt that we owe, that which was put down upon our name. He took that upon him. He became our sin. Now, let me clarify that statement. He did not become sin in the fact of he died a sinner. He did not die a sinner. He died perfect. He did not go to hell and get saved. But when the Bible says he became our sin, it means he became and took the penalty for our sin. That which we deserved, he became it yet still perfect before God. You see, his blood wasn't just a solution. His blood is the permanent solution. I thank God today that I'm not under the law, that it's not just a God that's trying to protect me from myself, that's trying to keep me on the straight and narrow, but yet condemns me and yet restricts me. I thank God that his blood set me free. No, there's nothing I can do, but yet I can do all things through him. Now I'm perfect in him. Now I'm complete in him. His shed blood brought in the new covenant, the covenant of grace. What he did for us, how he made the way for us. Turn with me tonight, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 8. And I want to read verse 10 through 12. And it says this, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. He's talking about the covenant of grace. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Look at the next verse. It says, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 12. And he says these words, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and to their sins and." To their lawless deeds, I will remember them no more. That's the covenant of grace. It's not something that has to be taught. It's something that can be felt. Come on. Come on, it's something that can be felt. There's a Scottish saying that my grandfather used to say, it's better felt than telt. What did he mean by that? It's better to feel it than to be told about it. Aren't you glad the law was something that was told, something that you really couldn't experience and be a part of, you tried to stay away from. But we're now involved with something that's real, that we can feel the mercy of God in our unrighteousness, in our sins. But guess what God looks and what does he say? I'll remember it no more. I forgive you. I forgive you. This new covenant is about creating a way for us to have a personal relationship with him based upon his goodness. Not your goodness. A relationship that's not based upon my behavior, but upon his love for me. A relationship where we could stand perfect before God, not because of what we do or don't do, but because of what he did. God, through the blood of his son, forgave our sins. And you know what that means. When God says, I forgave you, it means I forgot those things. Come on, we can't forget, can we? As humans, we try to forget and we try to remove those thoughts. It's an incredible how the mind is. And if we do forget, Satan reminds us real quick. Come on. But I want to tell you tonight, when God says, I have forgiven you, he's forgotten those sins. The Bible says that he's put them in a place. And you know where that place is? It's a sea. And he's even labeled it a sea of forgetfulness. And he's not only placed them in that sea, he's posted a sign that says no fish god's forgiven you it's forgotten you I wonder how many times we talk and cry out to god for those things we've done in our lives and god himself is scratching his head and saying, john i don't know what you're talking about i mean come on if he's forgiven and it's forgotten we're talking to god about things we're wasting god's time because he does not even know what we're talking about come on do you hear me tonight he don't want to talk about the old things miss emma His grace is taking care of that. His his blood was shed for our forgiveness. Come on, we waste so much time dealing with the guilt and the condemnation of the past, trying to get free. It's time we start walking in the grace of God. Come on, it's time that we start walking in the forgiveness of God. He's forgot it. Forgotten. He put all his sin upon him. He paid the price for us. He came and lived a spotless life. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 22. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth." He fulfilled the old covenant, the law, in that he obeyed God perfectly in every motive, thought and action. He met the standards we could never meet. His blood took care of our sins once and for all. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Come on, we've been broken. We've been messed up. We screw up. We are just failures so many times. But aren't you thankful that there's a blood that still flows today that can still make us whole, that can still bring us into relationship with him, that even our faults and our failures, you know what? But in the natural, how can a drug addict, how can an alcoholic, how can these people tell other people and point them to Christ? How, how can they who have done those things, how can those who are guilty of this and that? By the grace and the mercy of God. By the grace and the mercy of God. When Satan begins to remind you of your past. Come on, turn the table and start reminding him of his future. Come on now. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. Come on, say with me, grace, 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 grace. It's not just your daughter's name. It's not just something you do before you eat. Come on, it's not a grace period that the credit card people give you. Come on, it's the reason we can have relationship with him tonight. It's the reason we can sing tonight. It's the reason we can lift our hands and say, let us fall more in love with you. Without grace, we would not have a song to sing. But because of his grace you're glad tonight you're not still under law. You're glad you're not still under law. Because if we were still under law, we wouldn't stand a chance. You'd be dead by now because someone had killed you by now. Because of the consequences of the sins of your life. But under grace, through his grace, we all have the opportunity to not only be in a relationship with him, but now we meet the standard. Now we meet the mark. The one who was completely innocent, the one who never sinned, not deserving any punishment, and certainly not death, chose to offer his life as the sacrifice for our sins, paying the debt that we could never pay. No matter how many times I hear that, it never gets old. Come on, I says, it never gets old. What a savior. I said, what a savior. Come on, every day we should wake up and the first words out of our mouth should not be, oh, another day. The first words out of our mouth needs to be, thank you, Jesus, because we don't deserve another day. But for his grace. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. Grace is God equipping you free of charge to be who he has called you to be. Grace is the understanding that everything we have in Christ is based entirely on the goodness of God and the love that he has for us. Begin to read it for yourself. Read Romans, read Hebrews, read Ephesians. And while you're at it, why not just continue and read it all? Do I hear an amen? Remember the two reasons we talked about on Sunday? What is two of our greatest enemies to our faith, to our relationship with God? Number one is the lack of understanding God's word. And the second one was condemnation. You know what that is? Our inability to grasp the fact of who we are in Christ. But how will we know who we are in Christ if we don't read it? If we don't live it, if we don't apply it to our lives, if we don't, we'll live in the condemnation of sin. You invest in God's word. Some people look and say, Man, a Bible is a hundred bucks, that's a lot of money. You feel you think nothing today. In fact, you can hardly buy a pair of trainers today that's under a hundred bucks. Sneakers, as you all call them. Can't even buy stuff like that. We buy dresses, hopefully just the ladies. We buy dresses, we buy clothes. We buy gadgets and gadgets for our cars, exhaust systems, stereos, flat screen TVs. And our TV was working perfectly fine. But we need this because everyone else, we invest in everything else, but yet we don't invest. Go and buy yourself a good Bible. I said buy yourself a great Bible. Here's one of the greatest Bibles I think that you could ever get. It's called the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. The Spirit-Filled Life. It's an incredible Bible. It's one that I think is so great because it's got a lot of notes in it that it's a good Bible for daily Bible study, but it's not overpowering that it's so much notes that you almost don't read the Bible because you're filling yourself with so much stuff. Jimmy Swaggart has written a Bible that's incredible too, explaining every verse. There are so many good Bibles out there. You need to get the Word of God inside of you. Invest in CDs, put it on in your car. You can now podcast, you can download to your iPhone or to your MP3 player, the Bible, listen to it at work, get it inside of you. But let me close tonight. Our relationship with God and the power that comes with it will only be experienced if you believe and rest in the goodness of God. You know what I just said? You've got to have His grace in your life. You've got to live by His grace. Stop focusing on your faults and focus on his goodness. I remember as a kid, as much as I tried not to do wrong, when I focused on not doing wrong, I found myself doing wrong more than I should. Why? Because my focus was wrong. Instead of focusing on not trying to do wrong, I should have focused on doing right. Come on. You may say, well, it's the same thing. No, it's not. Try it sometime. When your focus is in the wrong direction, instead of focusing on your faults, start focusing on his goodness. Say with me, grace. That's grace. That's grace. And remember this, the gospel means good news. It's the good news. You know what the good news of the gospel is tonight, Mr. Huss? That God is in love with you. And God really is that good. Oh, it's too good to be true. How can that be? No, listen, God's really in love with you and it really is that good. In fact, it's even better than you could even imagine. That's grace. 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 Undeserved favor. I'll be the first one to say thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me tonight?
1: Awesome. You you awesome we would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.